I'm glad y'all are here this morning. Mother's Day. I thought all you had to say was Mother's Day and get applause today, so I thought I'd try it. But how many of y'all are here because you were invited because it was Mother's Day? Like you're here for your mom, your wife, or something? Go ahead, be honest. There's some, there's some. Okay, well, good. We're glad y'all are here. And, and uh, it, it is a great day. I was blessed uh, by God to have godly parents, both, both of them. Um, I, uh, I've become rebellious in my old age. Excuse me, I'm going to fix this because I don't want to hurt anything. There we go. Um, I've become rebellious in my old age, and that is that, that uh, I don't do a sermon about moms on Mother's Day. So if you came expecting that um, or dreading that, <laughs> you're either going to be pleased or disappointed, whichever it might be. Um, however, I, I do want to mention that because, uh, you know, uh, my, my history through my mom, my family history is, is interesting um, because her mom, as, as I've told you many times, was Julia Agnes Marie Eaton and then became Stuart, uh, just this Irish Catholic woman that was going to be a nun and did not become a nun, instead married a Marine, a Baptist from Kentucky. And uh, so all of my cousins are drunk Irish Catholics, uh, but, uh, but I am not. And uh, she became a Christian and, and uh, had six children, uh, wherever the family went. God bless you. My mom was number five out of six. I'm glad they didn't quit. You know, today, people don't have as large of families. So we, people have one child, and everybody goes, oh, what a blessing. And then they have two, say, oh, your family's complete. And then they have three, and they go, was there a mistake? <laughs> I think that's horrible. The Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord, you know? Why would we, even as Christians, we hear that. Why would we despise any children being born? Right? Hey, you know, it, I know it's not for everybody. We only had three. We wanted more, but that's all we had. And uh, for good reason, we didn't have more, but... Would have loved to have, and, and uh, so anyway, uh, so anyhow, so my mom was number five out of six, and thank God uh, they didn't quit at three, because uh, I wouldn't be here, and, uh, but my mom's dad died when she was only seven, and, and so her mom had to, and those were the days of the Depression, my, my grandfather died probably in around uh, 1933, and so there was my grandmother with six children, and uh, she did, took in laundry, she cleaned the church where I grew up. Uh, she actually was the janitor in that church for many, many years. I never knew my grandmother. These are all stories I've heard and learned. But, uh, but guess what? My mom grew up knowing the Lord and knowing the Word of God because of her godly, grand, her godly father who uh, helped my grandmother become the Christian she was, but my godly grandmother as well. And my dad's side, same thing. He had Christian parents. So I'm blessed that I have both of my parents were Christians. And today on Mother's Day, I am thankful for you moms. Trust me, I, I really, truly am. Uh, I respect you and I, I, I honor that. But I want to challenge the fathers as well. And on Father's Day, I'll challenge both of you again. But I, I, I want to challenge you to be the man that God made you to be. Um, you know, the best thing a man can do for his children is love their mom. That's number one. But really the best thing a man can do is love God and then love their mom. And uh, be that example, that godly example uh, to, to their kids. Because no man is complete till he's complete in Christ. 
No woman's complete till she's complete in Christ, right? And when we're complete in Christ, then we have something whole to give to our children as an example and as teaching. And then, so when God calls them, they will follow our godly example. And so, anyway, I, I want to say that. And it, you say, what's that got to do with the sermon? Well, actually, it's got a lot because if you remember, we turned a corner last week in Ephesians. We learned the, the, the philosophy, if you will, behind what we do. We learned the, the structure in the first three chapters. We learned all the things that we are and what we are supposed to know and who we are. And in chapter 4, he begins to talk about what we are becoming and what we are to do with what we are. Uh, in other words, you can't do unless you are something, right? Uh, the reason I'm preaching today is because I are a preacher, now, I didn't choose that. God chose me. I get that. I understand that. But my, my point being this, you can't, you can't do something that you've not become. So if you say you're a Christian, you can't do Christianity unless you are. Thank you. And what does Christian mean? Christ-like one. One who looks like Jesus. And that is the goal, and that is what we're developing. In fact, today's passage encourages us to continue to become more and more like Jesus. And that's really the deal. What we're getting to today is, the, is kind of the fuel behind what we become. My, I mentioned my family for this reason. Because my, my mother and her brothers and sisters all came from a godly heritage that honored God, that, that said, this is who we are, this is what we're about. They didn't, they didn't play games with that. They were believers and they, they lived like they were believers. They, they, they served like they were believers. They were kind and hospitable and they did all the things that, that a believer is supposed to do so that those children got that example and they, they did that leading to, to give hope and help to their children. I hope that's not me. My phone just went off. Okay. I think I turned mine off. Turn yours off if yours is on. Um, and let, <laughs> I, never mind. I'm not going to make any jokes. Um, so, but, but, that, but having that family help fuel my, my mother. I, I, and I, I say it because I, I tell you, I never knew my grandmother. She, she had died a couple of years before I was born. She was my last living grandparent. Now, I know that's sad, but my, she was born in 1893. Okay. My dad was born in 1919. In fact, yesterday in 1919. So, yeah, I know. And I wasn't born until he was 40. So I had older parents. All my cousins were my parents' age because they were babies, one of 11 kids, one of... Uh, he was 7 out of 11, she was 5 out of 6. So just kind of late in the birth order and late in life, and here I am. And so we reached way back there, and I didn't know them, but... The deal is, my mom, I was raised, my mom telling me stories about her mom to the point that I called her mom. Well, my mom, she would say, mom did this and mom did that. And so when I talked about my grandmom, I called her mom because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any differently. But I learned so much because what she had put into my mom's life. And, and, and that context brings us here to Ephesians 4 because what Paul is telling us is that we've got a context here. We got a context to family. We come from different families. You could stand up here and your story may be radically different from mine. It could be a tragic story that God's redeemed. It could be a great story like I've got that I've got godly parents and grandparents and I'm thankful for that. Uh, 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 your story might be totally different than, than mine, but, 
Here's the deal. We all come together in God's family now. You with me? We're in God's family, and God's family, guess what? We, we all start looking alike. We all start talking alike. We all start acting alike because we all are looking and acting and talking like Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. I mean, listen, I, I've got cousins that were adopted, and we didn't know any different. They're just our cousins. They're just part of the family. And they started looking and acting and talking like us as well because they were adopted into our family. And so here's what I want you to understand today. I hope you take this away. I know it's Mom's Day and it's not going to say Mom. Go ahead if we can get it. Uh, To walk the worthy walk, we need fuel for the journey. I mean, listen, if we're going to walk the walk of Christianity, we better have something that fuels that journey. We better have something that helps us to walk that walk. And so today I want to talk about what is the source of this worthy walk. Remember, that's what we were talking about last week. Walking that worthy walk that Paul uh, uh, talked about there, how we do it, the characteristics of it. This goes on to some more of the characteristics, but it helps to fuel who we are. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Beginning in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Would you pray with me, Father? I just come to you, I come to you now asking, Lord, that you would be glorified, asking, Lord, that, that your word would not return void. You said it would not. And Lord, we are just grabbing hold of that promise and praying it back to you to say, Lord, may that happen. Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would flow in this place. Not only, Lord, through me to preach your word truthfully and and rightly, but Lord, through all of us that we might have the ears of the Spirit to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Lord, we pray that your Spirit... We convict those who are outside of the family that they need to be adopted into the family, that they need to come to you in humility and and repentance of sin, that they also could be forgiven and brought into your family. Lord, we desire to look like Jesus. We desire to know you. Father, we thank you that we get to call you Father, that the creator of the universe we call Father. You went so far to say you could call me Daddy, Father. And so, Lord, we do that. We just thank you that we can come into this throne room here in heaven and stand at your feet. And, Lord, even as we are broken in your presence, to feel you lift us up and restore us and say, be at peace. Because you are our Father and you got all things in, in control. And we don't have to worry. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, First of all, and, and, and these verses, and, and this isn't original with me. I, I was uh, reading and I, I ran across a, a, a pastor that, that kind of pointed out that these verses, verse 4 is talking about unity in the Spirit. First of all, God the Spirit. You know, as Christians, we believe... And the, the Godhead being a trinity, that, that, that God exists in three persons. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is humanly impossible. Let me say that again. It is humanly impossible for us to understand and describe who God is. No man can explain the Trinity. You say, well, I heard a great explanation. It's insufficient. It doesn't cover the facts, okay? We understand what the facts are, but our human minds cannot comprehend them in a sense of the word, okay? So I'm not going to preach about the Trinity, but I'm going to acknowledge the Trinity. God exists in three persons, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Some things we understand and believe about that. But I want you to understand that the Bible, in talking about the church, above all things except the truth, the church is about unity, That is that we are all together, we are all one. This theme of the power of one this year that that, that I inherited, but I like it, uh, that that we are one church, we're one body, we're not not many, and that's what this passage is about. And in fact, if if you were here and you remember, I went to this text and preached it one Sunday and said, I'm going to come back to it. Well, I'm back to it now, okay? And I'm going to do it a little differently, and I did it before. And and in verse 4 here, It's about our unity in the Holy Spirit. And so, I want you to see the three things. By the way, there's seven ways of oneness here. All right? And three are with the Spirit, three are with the Son, and then the Father is one thing by Himself. First of all, in the Spirit, we're one body. We're one body. I mentioned my grandmother grew up a Catholic, uh, an Irish Catholic. Her grandfather came here from Ireland. And uh, she was born on Paris Island, for all you Marines. Uh, literally, she was born on the island. Her dad ran a store there. And, and so, uh, uh, she was very much involved in that, in that religious system. Later, she came to know the Lord, and she left that religious system to become a Baptist. You see, when God looks at us, He doesn't see Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and whatever else. He sees saved and lost. He sees Christians and non-Christians. That's it. He doesn't see race. He doesn't see ethnicity. He doesn't see nationality. He doesn't see political party. Guess what? God's not a Republican or a Democrat. I know that's a shock to some of you. No matter what side of that aisle you're on. Or an independent if if you don't have any convictions at all. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. No. Listen. One of my favorite texts in Scripture is is Joshua figuring out, hmm, how are we going to attack Jericho? How are we going to get through this one? Very first battle in the promised land. He's sitting there scratching his head. He's walking around. He's looked at it. He's sitting there going, what am I going to do? He's strategizing. He looks up and there's a dude standing there with a sword out. And Joshua jumps up being a fighter and goes, are you for us or for our enemy? He went, I'm neither. I'm, on the, I'm captain of God's armies. You better take off your shoes, boy. Yes, sir. And then he heard from Jesus what was supposed to happen at Jericho. God's not on our side or anybody else's side. He's on his own side. And we need to get on his side. Amen? We are one body. We are not a denominational. We are not an ethnic. We are not a national. national. We are not a religious thing. Man... All those labels burn off in hell and they fall off in heaven. We are one body in the church. And you say, well, what about all those other people? Well, what about them? We are one body with them. You know God blesses people you don't agree with? 
You ever notice that? It's irritating, isn't it? I don't like that guy. God's blessing him. Why? Because he might be, you know, better, more close to God than you are. You might, you know, it might be you, not him. You ever thought about that? You know, if you meet a jerk first thing in the morning, you met a jerk. If you meet jerks all day long, you might be the jerk. (laughs) Just saying. We are one body. All the rest goes away in Christ. We are one in Him. And yeah, we argue over little points, but what you have to keep in mind is, and I was teaching that this morning in Sunday school in the, in the new members class, there are some things that are deadly important that we can't let go of. I'll come to that some more in a minute. But in, but in, in the things that matter, I don't care what denominational label you wear. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're one family. You following that? We're one body. We are in one spirit. There is only one spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the unifying force. And, if, and, and, and you know, when we preach this, we always preach about God the, God the Holy Spirit living in each one of us. And He does. But we get so inv- individualistic about it, we think that everybody can have their own opinion and be right. No, there's only one opinion. It's the opinion of the Holy Spirit. And if you and I are disagreeing about something, one of us, and I'm not saying which one, is not hearing accurately from the Holy Spirit. And so when somebody disagrees with me or or accuses me or challenges me, first thing I do is take a step back and go, okay, God, help me here. You know, what am I missing? Where am I wrong or offbeat? What's going on here? Show me. And and do you know how God speaks to me? I'm going to give you a secret because as much as God speaks to me, he, I, I'm going to give you the secret how to hear from God. Open this. Every time you open it, he starts talking. Every time you close it, he gets quiet. This is, this is how he speaks to us. I'm, again, I'll come back to that more later because God works together in unity in the, in the Trinity. But he, there's only one spirit, and he is the unifying force of the church. He's the one who brings us together. Do you think God is glorified when, you know, th- th- this is the typical thing we hear... We have heard, have y'all, y'all heard about the church that argued over the color of carpet? I mean, we always say that, but do y'all know the story behind that? Some church was arguing, and, and, and some people wanted a dark blue carpet, and some people wanted a light blue carpet. And they took sides, and the dark blue people sat on one side, and the light blue people sat on the other. So they finally got a, two carpets, and they split the church in half, and one side was dark, and one side was light. And they sat on their respective sides, because that is of eternal significance. Somebody wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit because he didn't give a flip about carpet or the color of it. All you got to do is take a mission trip and go and see where churches meet under trees and under tin sheds and without electricity or in hiding in a small room with a light bulb when there's a hundred people crammed into a room built for ten. Listening to the Word of God. And you'll quit arguing over stuff that doesn't matter. We are one body. One body. And the third thing, one calling. You see, we're called to salvation, but in that call to salvation is a call to Christ's likeness. Because we call those who are saved Christians, and we've lost the 
the power of that word. We've lost the impact of that word. So now today, kind of a, a cool thing to say, and it's also true, is that I'm a Christ follower, which means I follow Christ. We would say a disciple of Christ. There are a lot of good words, and we misuse them and, and use them in ways that they don't mean, and we it lose their meaning. I still like the word Christian. But in America, if you ask somebody, are you a Christian? They go, yeah, because they're not a Buddhist or a Muslim. But to be a Christian means that you look like Jesus. And in fact, when you see that verse in Acts, what it says is, and they were first called Christians, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Notice what they were called before that. Disciples. See, saying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. Being disciplined in your following of Jesus makes you a Christian. So that you start to look like Jesus. Now you can call yourself a Christian. Now I, I get it and I hope you understand. I mean the day I was born I was my parents child and nothing ever changed that. And I grew up in their house and I learned their rules. And I became more and more like them because I understood who they were and, and my place in the world. And I get all that. But do you get my point? My point is that we throw that word around like well I'm a Christian. Which means I go to church twice a year or occasionally or when I'm forced to. I'll read my Bible if somebody makes me or I happen to accidentally see a verse. I might listen to a preacher occasionally, and yet I call myself a Christian. You're no more a Christian than the chair you're sitting in. Being a Christian means to follow Jesus, to do what he did, to, to act like he acted, to look like him. That's what it means. Sometimes I hesitate to call myself a Christian. Or as my friend said when he was arguing with his little brother, his little brother said, you're, you're not acting like a Christian. He said, I woke up this morning and I didn't feel saved. Some days we just don't feel saved, you know. But I am saved and so I have to make a choice to follow Christ, right? Well, the Holy Spirit is that unifying force that brings us together and one body, one spirit, and one calling. The call to salvation is a call to be Christ-like in our, in, in, to be like Christ in heaven, to, to look just like Jesus. Secondly, in verse 5, we see that we have the unity of the Son of God. Notice that. One Lord. One Lord. Look, look in Acts 4.12. If you would, just turn there. I'll read it to you or quote it to you. I'm going to turn to it and read it. Acts 4.12 says this. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There are people that think that there's many, many roads to heaven. There is not. Let me put it down in Southern English so you can get it. There ain't but one. And that way is through Christ, Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is it. Because if you really understood religion, if you really studied all the kinds of religions there are, you'll find out there ain't but two. There's Jesus and everything else. And everything else agrees in how to get to heaven. Work hard for it. Period. Now some of them worship nature, but... That's animism, and we learned last, uh, was it last weekend? At the, at, the, at the conference we had here, 
that, I, that, that even the Muslims practice witchcraft. They practice dark magic. We heard that testimony, which is animism, which is just like the witches that live among us here in Stanton, that, that worship nature and the forces of nature and learn to control that and try to do that. That's called animism, that, that, that uh, you know, they're spirits and trees. Sort of like Disney when they did Pocahontas and she talked to the willow tree. That's just witchcraft and animism. Yeah, don't send your kids to the Disney movie with me. I'm just telling you. I'll ruin it for them in a heartbeat. Listen, I, it's not, I, I just, I'm just saying, I'm not saying you can't enjoy the entertainment factor, but you better understand what you're looking at. Because everything breaks down to there's two things in the world that affect everything, God and Satan. And you better figure out which one's working on what. And if you really understand it, you can try to work your way to heaven. And the Bible says that's a dumb and hopeless thing to do. It doesn't say dumb. I just kind of threw that in there as commentary. But it says it's a hopeless thing to do. Because it says the best thing you can do looks like a filthy rag in God's sight. So as a Christian, we don't believe in working our way to heaven. Because we can't. We believe in coming to God and going, God, I can't do this. I blow it. I mess up my life. I repent of my sin. I'm asking that the blood you shed on the cross be good enough for me that I could come to heaven. And God says, fine, I'll apply my blood, the blood of my son, to your sin. And every time God looks at me, every time the accuser of the brethren, Satan, stands there and goes, look at Stuart and look what he did. My lawyer, whose name is Jesus, stands up and goes, judge, I want to show you something. See this? And when God looks, all he sees is Jesus' blood. He go, and God says, ah, he's innocent. He's already paid for his sin. It's done. It's over. It's wiped clean. And there's only one way to go to heaven, and that's Jesus. And if you're depending on anything else, you're headed for hell. And don't mistake that in any way. Acts 4.12 tells us so. In fact, Galatians 1.8 even makes it even more clear which I wonder about this because even Muslims say we're people of the book talking about the Bible. They don't exactly throw it away. And, uh, and, and, and the other group, really the Mormons, they, they hold the Bible. But they, There's two things that are true about every cult in the world, ever. Let me tell you what those two identifying marks are, every cult. One is... They're wrong about who Jesus is. He's either a man or he's not a man. He's all God or he's all man, but he's never both at the same time. And secondly, they have a second set of teachings or a second book that is equal to the Bible. Okay? That marks every cult in the world. And the occult, by the way. Just, just saying. Galatians 1.8 says this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. I'm not just picking on the Mormons today, but I've been in Salt Lake City. I've been in Utah. I've seen the big whatever you call that thing, temple there, whatever. And up there on the top, there's the angel Moroni. They gave old Joseph Smith the Book of Mormon. Really? And you hold that equal to the Bible, but the Bible said if an angel told you something different, what's in here, don't believe him. And yet you do. Muhammad said Gabriel gave him the Quran.
It's wrong. I told you about my 14-year-old daughter arguing with a Buddhist, American Buddhist, in Thailand. And she asked him, well, how do you know that's what Buddha said? And he said, they wrote it down. She said, when? said, 700 years after he died. Oh, really? <laughs> You're trusting something that 700 years later, let's play the gossip game today in church and start a rumor over there. And when it gets over here, it's got nothing to do with what was said over there. 700 years? Are you kidding me? You get the point? There's only one Lord. It's the one who put on flesh, lived among us. And what he did was written down by eyewitnesses in the presence of eyewitnesses. So that if it had been wrong, they could have corrected it then. Or they could have denied it or they could have said, that's a lie. And by the way, every year at Easter time and at Christmas time, they come out with all these books that we've known about for 2,000 years that were written during that time that did not agree with the facts and were discarded by those who knew better. Just saying. You see, that leads me to that second thing. There's only one faith. There's one Lord. There's only one faith. What faith is that? It's the contents of the Word of God. There's not a bunch of different ones. In fact, the book of Jude, the last book before we have the book of Revelation in the book order in our Bible, says this uh, in, in the verse 3. Beloved, though I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation... I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And I don't care how much money that television preacher makes. He did not get a new revelation from God. The revelation was written once for all. Because if he's right, then I could tell you the same thing and I can be right. Right? I can stand here and tell you, God said you ought to give me everything in your bank account. The Lord spoke to me in a dream last night. I don't know why I always do a southern accent when I do a wrong preacher. <laughs> I guess because I'm from South Carolina. Brother Chambach, the gospel tent, be down here. You know, that's just what you used to hear on the radio all the time when I grew up. Sorry, some of y'all might know who Brother R.W. Chambach. He's been everywhere. Um... But we only have one faith, one Lord, Jesus, one faith. It's, the content, it's what the Bible says about who Jesus is. The Bible says that he was God and in Bethlehem he put on flesh and lived among us. And he was all God and all man all at the same time. But as a man he emptied himself of deity and he lived his life under the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So that you and I would not be hopeless but have a hope that if Jesus could do it filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do it filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, I don't believe that. Well, I can prove it to you in the Bible. It says that, that his conception was by the Holy Spirit. By the way, the prediction of him was by the Holy Spirit. That, that, that Satan tried to, to kill him, having Mary go to Bethlehem, pregnant as she was. But yet he survived to be born at full term. And that Herod tried to kill him. He was protected by the Spirit. Being led to Egypt, his father, in a dream. The Holy Spirit told you. Jesus said, I don't speak my own words. I speak the words the Father tells me to speak. The Bible says in John that he had the Spirit without measure. And then in Hebrews it says he offered his self on the cross by the Spirit. And in Romans 8 it says the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He did everything he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet even as Baptists we say, well, you know, being God, he knew that. No, being a man, being led by the Spirit, he learned that. 
And I don't get all that, but I'm just telling you that's the truth. Because if he did everything that he did as God, what are we doing? Except like the Buddhist. Oh, I wish I could be like Buddha. I wish I could be like Jesus, but I can't because he was God. Yes, he was. And I'm not saying he wasn't. But he put aside that exercise of deity. He did it as a man so that he could say to us, the works you see me doing, you can do these and greater than these. Because he wasn't doing it in his own power. He's doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. Now, to make no mistake about it, when he got up, he put deity back on. All right? He is not slacking at all. Jesus is God, and he put deity back on, but there's only one faith. And that's the Jesus of the Bible. And he was not a man who had a good idea. He was not a God who pretended to die. He was the God-man who, being God, set aside deity, it says in Philippians, that he could live this life for us and win for us salvation by passing the test that Adam failed, where we became lost. Jesus won it back by not failing and then going to the cross and dying in my place on the cross because he was innocent before God and did not deserve that death. And so we have one baptism. I know you're saying spiritual baptism into the body. Yeah, verse 4, though, talked about that. He's talking about water baptism. There's only one baptism into one faith. Baptism is how we preach the sermon that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. It is the sermon that says Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And so... I have died to myself, I've been buried, and I rise again in Christ. If I've died with him, I will live with him, the Bible says in Romans 6, right? You with me? So there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And then, those are six of them. And then the seventh one that fuels our tank is the unity of God the Father. Notice what it says about him in verse 6. There's one God and Father of all. There are not many gods, there's only one who is over all and through all and in all. He is over all, he's creator, he is sovereign. He's the father of all, he is over all, he is the creator God. I'm not an artisan and there are artisans in this church. There are guys here that can build beautiful things out of wood or steel. There are artists that can paint beautiful pictures. I have a couple of paintings my mother-in-law painted. And do you know where I got them? You say, well, from your mother-in-law. She gave them to you. No. I went in her trash can. She was throwing them away. I love those things. They're, they were beautiful. They just spoke to me. You know, art doesn't have to, everybody doesn't have to like it. You've got to like it, right? So I saw it and I liked it. So I got it out of the garbage can. Now, I didn't go inside and say, you are so unfair. What do you mean? How dare you throw away that painting? What painting? This painting. You don't have the right to throw that away. She'd look at me and say, have you lost your mind? That's my painting. I painted it. I can do with it what I want. Right? Why do we go to God and tell him how unfair he is? Why do we start trying to tell God, how dare you do that? Really? You're going to tell the creator God that? I don't think so. He's over all. Because he made it all. He is the creator of all things. He is sovereign Lord over all things. And we better quit our little pipsqueak. I don't like you. Rather you ought to bow before him. And say, oh, you're God. And I'm not. And I'm so glad you're God. He is through all. That means he's omnipotent. 
There is nothing that lives and moves and breathes that does not live and move and breathe at his will. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. You think you're so strong and mighty? What if God just went, oh, you're a hot shot, huh? Okay, let me cut off your air for five minutes. See how that works. Every breath I take, I breathe in, I breathe out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Every breath I take, we sing the song, every breath I take, I breathe in you. I love you, Jesus. Right? Okay, I'll quit singing. I want y'all to stay till the end. Right? You think we just sing that because it sounds cute? Didn't y'all love the kids? Y'all know how hard it is for me not to go. (laughs) Every Sunday? (laughs) I love it. That was so wonderful. Listen, man, the reason I can stand up, the reason I can speak, the reason I breathe, the reason my heart beats is because of God. He's omnipotent. He's through everything. And there's nothing that he is separate from. And in fact, he is in everything. He's omnipresent. You won't go anywhere. You can't find him. David said, if I make my bed in hell, that you are there. God is everywhere. There is no place God is not Well, that ought to fuel your tank. We're all one body, guys. We are one in the Spirit. We're one body and one Spirit with one calling to look like Jesus. We are one in Jesus. We don't have many Gospels. We don't have many Saviors. We've got one Savior. His name is Jesus. we got one faith, the Scripture, the Word of God. We have got one baptism. We're baptized into the belief of what the Bible teaches about who Jesus is and who we are and how we can have salvation. And then we've only got one Father, and that's God the Father. And He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He knows everything. And He loves us enough to give us our best. He knows enough to know our best. And He's powerful enough to give it to us. So we lack nothing. We've got everything we need. And in fact, Pastor Mike led us in singing the song, All I Have Needed. And it's written in a little bit of Old English, Thy hand hath provided. And I've told you what hath means, but I'm going to tell you again. H-A-T-H. It means you done got it. All I've needed, you've already given it to me. It's already there. God has provided it for us. Well, what can you do with all this? First of all, you could promote the unity of the church. But making sure you're saved. You know, it makes you a better church member if you're actually saved. I don't know if you knew that or not. Because there are a lot of unsaved people on church rolls. I'm not saying that just to be joking around. There are a lot of unsaved people got on church rolls. And that's not their fault necessarily. It might be that they really had a desire to be saved. And they were mishandled when they came and said, I want to join the church. Well, that's great. And I hope you do join the church. But first, let's make sure you join Jesus. And if you're on Team Jesus, then you can come on in, man. That's awesome. But we want to make sure you're part of Christ before you're part of this church. And so make sure you're also in right relation to all other members of the body. I mean, if every morning I woke up, I looked in the mirror, I went, dude, you're ugly, and I punched myself in the eye, that would be bad. That's just a definition of bad. You said, man, you would have a real problem. I know, but it'd make a funny movie, wouldn't it? I think they made a movie like that once. Listen, why do we punch ourselves in the eye as the body of Christ? So let's promote the unity of the church by, first of all, making sure you're saved. Number two, if you're saved, why don't you get along with everybody? Say, well, they're just, not hard, they're just hard to get along with. 
Remember what I said about being a jerk? <laughs> Maybe you need to take a step back. Because it, l- listen, it doesn't take two people to fight. It only takes one. Right? Maybe you haven't read Facebook lately. I got sucked in this week. I said something I shouldn't have said to somebody. And boy, they wanted to fight. So I had to just back out. And, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Secondly, promote the unity of the church by setting aside a daily time to study the Word of God and to know the truth of our faith. It'll make you a better Christian if you know what he said to do. Right? I know, I know what men say. Well, when all else fails, read the directions. That's dangerous when, you, when you're talking about being saved because this, this is the direction book. This is the instructions. And if you don't know what this says, you don't know what to do. It's not what you think would be best. It's what God said would be best. And then thirdly, promote the unity of the church by calling to God as your Father and submitting your life to His sovereignty, to His omnipotence, to Him, His omnipresence. Just understanding the overwhelmingness of who God is and then the, the beauty and the sweetness of being able to call Him Father. What an awesome privilege that we are all one in Christ. And as one in Him, powered by the Holy Spirit, what is it we can't accomplish? There's nothing we can't accomplish. So do you think maybe we could even actually lead Stanton to Christ? Do you think? Is that possible? Is it possible? And then why aren't we doing it? Well, either we're ignorant of it, which we're not, we, we, we don't know how, which isn't totally true. Or it might just be because we're lazy. I read a quote yesterday, and I won't be able to quote it exactly because I didn't write it down. I, could, I can't get back to it. But it was written, it was said by the president of Lifeway. And he said something like this. I'm going to alter it, I know. But he said something along these lines. When the church is more concerned about their preferences than they are about the proclamation of the gospel, we have ceased to be the church. And I think that can be true of us, that we, we want what we want instead of what God wants. And God says we are one in Him, and that in Him we are called to be the body of Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, one spirit, one calling, Under one God who is over all and in all and through all.